A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Herleman, sponsored by Starburst. Starburst is a single platform to help you activate all your data, no matter where it lives. Check out our new Data Products for Dummies ebook to learn more about how your organization can utilize data products. To download your free copy, head on over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introductions and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. Applying platform engineering best practices to your data mesh platform. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? So this is the debut of kind of a new show notes style where all we're doing are these uh, kind of bullet points from the bottom line up front. So I interviewed Tom DeWolf, who's a senior architect and innovation lead at ACA Group, as well as the host of Data Mesh Belgium Meetup. So here are some key takeaways or thoughts from Tom's point of view. Number one, platform engineering at its core is about delivering a great and reliable self-service experience to developers. That's just as true in data as in software. Focus on automation, lowering cognitive load, hiding complexity, etc. If provisioning decision specifics don't matter, why make developers actually deal with those specifics? Number two, the key to a good platform is something your users want to use not simply must use. That's your user experience measuring stick. Do your users actually want to use it? Number three, when building a platform, you want to hide a lot of the things that don't matter. But when you start, especially with a platform in data mesh, there will be many things you aren't sure if they matter. That's okay. Automate those decisions that don't matter as you find them, but you know, exposing those decisions to people early is normal and fine. Number four, relatedly, make that hiding easy to see through the curtain if developer, you know, actually cares about it. Sometimes it matters to 5% of use cases, but also often engineers really just want to understand the details just because they are engineers. I think all you engineers out there know exactly what I'm talking about. Make a platform where people can customize their experience where possible, but of course, without going overboard. Number five, potentially controversial. Few, if any, current tools in data are quote-unquote aware of the data product. They're still focused on the specific tasks instead of the target of creating an actual data product. Now, Tom said this, Jacques has said this a lot. That's part of what Next Data is trying to do. Number six, Relatedly, the developer should be able to focus on creating and maintaining data products instead of focusing on leveraging specific tools. We need platforms that allow them to deliver value through creating and managing data products, not a focus on working with the tools. Number seven, potentially controversial. Data mesh without technology is just theory. It can't only be about the people if you focus on evangelizing without anything practical to show, it is too theoretical or abstract for people. You need a platform early to be able to show people what you mean. 
And Scott note here why I said this might be controversial is a lot of people have talked about getting getting a lot of that buy-in very, very early versus when do you actually have to have something to show to people? And I think it's all a bit of a balance, but you do need a thin slice that has at least some aspect of all four of the mesh principles early or your implementation can become lopsided. Schmack has said this, many, many other folks have said this, that if you try and go too far down the, the platform path or if you don't go far enough down the platform path. Number eight, relatedly, get to something to show people in a demo as soon as possible with your mesh implementation so they can actually picture it and understand what you're trying to accomplish. What are you talking about when you start to talk data products and things like that? Number nine, in data mesh, you will still have data developer power users that really want to dig deep. But a key focus of your platform should be to make it easier for non-power users to still build and maintain great and valuable data products. Expand the potential number of people creating data products by lowering the bar to actually doing that data work. Number 10, potentially controversial. The platform team shouldn't be a blocker to new data products being developed. However, you should probably have certain cost guidelines and guardrails so someone doesn't develop a very expensive data product. It should only go to a central team for oversight when cost becomes an issue. That way you prevent unnecessary friction and costs simultaneously. The reason why this is controversial, I've heard some people say it's kind of either or and it's the saying kind of thread that needle. I don't know how many people out there are doing it. Number 11, when there is an escalation because of a problem with a data product related to cost or governance, look to frame the conversation as a collaborative deep dive into a potential issue. Rather than a central, you can't do this, it's more, much more of a, why is this made this way? Is this optimal or can we change it? That collaborative discussion can keep people engaged and leaning in. Number 12, you can get domains more bought in on something like data mesh and data products by showing them how this new approach won't directly tie data schema to their application schema. That way, they can still easily make changes to their application schemas and not break their data products. Number 13, good engineering is all about managing trade-offs. Platform engineering is no different. You have to look at what should be specific versus should be generic. Orchestration is one area that should be very generic. Number 14, in data mesh, you want to think about the holistic flow of data and data product work. That's why we need a platform, but the tools aren't really that well built to work together. We've talked about this many times on the podcast. Data tools aren't very well built to work together. Be ready for that frustration of having to build on top of the tools to get to play, to get them to actually play nicely together. And finally, number 15, potentially controversial. Even if you aren't doing data mesh, your platform should focus on abstractions. What matters and why is a fundamental question. You want people solving challenges that add value. So the reason this might be controversial is a platform that's not for data mesh, you might still be pointing it at a central data team, right? That your users are still data power users, but you still want to focus on those abstractions. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Okay, very, very excited for today's episode. I've got Tom DeWolf here, who's the innovation lead at ACA Group, as well as the organizer of Data Mesh Belgium. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of things data platform, right? Like Tom did a great presentation. We're going to link it in the show notes. It's on YouTube about what they learned from building out their platform. We're going to talk about not just the good things. So we're going to talk about the challenges and that and how we have to think about platform engineering when it comes to data in general, but especially when it comes to data mesh. But 
Before we jump into that, Tom, if you don't mind giving people a bit of an introduction to yourself, and then we can jump into the conversation at hand. Yeah, thanks, Scott, and thanks for having me. Um, I'm Tom de Wolf, um, architect innovation lead indeed in Belgium, as consultancy company ACA Group. About 15 years of experience and a background mainly in uh, software engineering and architecture, actually. And the last two, three years had a strong focus on uh, data mesh, uh, doing expert consultancy, but also driving uh, um, a data mesh journey and, pro and project in Belgium for the uh, cultural sector, in which we um, did a lot of platform engineering uh, for data mesh and also received an, uh, an award for best digital transformation project this year. So uh, a lot of content to talk about. <laughs> Congrats on that uh, award. That's great. And so... Let's start about how you were like, maybe let, let's put ourselves a little bit in the, the zone of where a lot of our guests are that are kind of early in their journey that are trying to figure this stuff out. So let's talk a little bit about what your initial assumptions were maybe relative to data mesh and the data platform versus what you learned. And let's start with a little bit of the past data mesh self and the advice that you would give, or what, what were your kind of misconceptions when we first, when you first started there as to, you know, a, a lot of people think that the platform is very, very specifically about let's, let's focus so much on the technologies and the very specific data processing needs. And it's going to be all this really complex stuff versus it's kind of more about easy paths or easy buttons, or maybe it wasn't. So I'd love to hear kind of what you, if you were to reflect back, what were your initial assumptions and and maybe we can transition into what you learned along the way and, and maybe kind of how you do it even differently if you were able to, to kind of go back and, and whisper in your ear and give yourself some advice. Mm -hmm. um, well, the moment we, we decided, okay, for, for the problem at hand, um, data mesh seems to be a good fit. Uh, we thought, okay, now let's uh, see how a platform for that can look like. So we dove into um, all the existing um, data platforms and, and tech and tools that are available. And there are a lot <laughs> out of there. Um, but the, the main, um, conclusion we had there is, okay. So data mesh is also all about data products. Where are the data products in all those platforms and, and, and technologies? So it was, it was quite a surprise that they, that existing, um, technology is quite unaware of a data product. Um, of course, it comes down to how you define it then, eh? because uh, um, for me, data products is really that that architectural quantum, so that that component that is reusable and has a certain anatomy with input and output ports, all those things. Um, so, and and yeah, some people say, okay, a data a data set is a data product, a dashboard is a data product. Um, uh, an AI model is a data product, for, but for me, that's not that's too vague. It's it's um, it's not putting the the finger on on, on what it really is. And um, for example, a data product can expose its data in different data sets, uh, which are their output ports. So that's already an, an, a distinction there. Um, so that was the first first um, conclusion that existing tools are quite unaware of what a data product is. Um, so um, in, in that sense, we quickly came to the conclusion, okay, we need to build that abstraction ourselves. We need to have something to be able to uh, really provide an, an, uh, an experience to the data product developer that is not about um, creating a, a data set in a data warehouse and creating a data pipeline somewhere else and uh, entering metadata in a catalog, but that is about specifying a data product and having a platform that says, okay, I'm going to provision those things. And also having a platform that doesn't say, okay, now everything's provisioned and um, take care, but uh, that the platform also follows up on the life cycle of that data product afterwards and can um, yeah, complete the whole experience of that data product developer. Yeah, I think that's a really, I, I love what you're saying there. Because I mean, Jamak and I have talked about this. This is the problem that Next Data is focusing on, right? Of the tools are still focused so much on doing the the work that it's that the tool is defined to do, and none of the the tools are defined to 
make the process of developing a data product easy, right? And so, you know, we talk about dependency management and all this stuff. And it's, oh, you're supposed to work in my tool instead of you're supposed to code and my tool does the work, right? And, and like that complete mentality flip We've seen that in software 20, 25 years ago, maybe even more than that, right? You know, you think about like just even programming languages, right? It's not been about that you're in the tool of the programming language. It's that you code in a language and the language does something. And that's that's like just even that abstraction, that concept of data is so foreign to so many people. It's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. So, so. Let's talk about how you started to think about not heading down this path of, again, focusing on the tooling and, and that abstraction layer. Like, was the what, what was the main focus of what you were trying to do early versus, you know, where you want to head? Because it sounds like what you're really focused on is a user experience. And again, letting them focus on the work that adds value, which is the data product management aspect of it, of like, what data do we want to share and how do we want to form it? Or, you know, how do we want it to be formed once it is formed? But we don't really care that much about the underlying formation or, you know, we want to manage it as a product, but I don't want to have to manage all these different dependencies and packaging and all that stuff. So like, how did you think about phase one or the minimum viable, you know, platform and, and like, actually evolving because this is where i think again people get so focused on the edge cases and being able to support the most complex cases instead of like put something in front of people that makes this easy so like how did you think about that and, ma and maybe even how would you rethink about that if, if you were to reapproach it mm -hmm. um well maybe come back to then uh something that's often said that data measures is um at that statement is made a lot that data measures is not about the technology and that is more about uh, the culture, the mindset, and and the other principles uh, of data mesh. But what I've learned is that I don't completely agree with that anymore. Um, I think that if you postpone, uh, we were also in the beginning in 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 uh, the journey of um, uh, evangelizing the vision and and the mindset and all those things, um, but it it remained too theoretical and abstract for people, and then we went towards a quick um, engineering a first version of what could be demoed and 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 shown to people um and i do remember that first demo session where we we um, gave insights in how that developer experience could look like um, and that was really a tipping point for a lot of people so it, it really clicked okay so it means it means that and and that's how we're going to use it so what i would do if I would do an, if if we do the next one and, and another project is to, as soon as possible, also make sure you have a first proof of concept, and a demo platform shouldn't be production ready yet, but just something that you can show and let people experience what that developer experience of data products uh, can look uh, like. It's a, it's a little bit of show, don't tell, but it's actually still show and tell. Like, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Shemak talks about this of so many people want to move forward with one pillar. And so, you know, they're the people that try and move forward with the platform pillar alone and then start to do all the other stuff. But exactly what you're talking about of the platform, you know, that that's the third principle. It's not an afterthought. It, it is all together. And so... Being able to help people to understand and visualize and and that is is important and to get bought in that, oh, this is something that is changing something. This isn't just, eh, this is like actually uh, transformative. I, I think I, I, I like that a lot. Um, so, you know, one of the, the key topics that we're planning on talking about is, you know, platform engineering. And I think People in data, as much as we talk about the data platform, we're not doing a heck of a lot of platform engineering. And, you know, when I talk to people, it's again, they, they really focus a lot on the, the tooling. And when you think about what a platform does, it enables, it 
people to do their work via, you know, uh, capabilities that are encapsulated in some way that they're able to leverage them. They don't care about the underlying thing as long as the underlying thing is, you know, reasonable. Well, most don't care. I can't say all of them don't. Most don't care. And they just want a reliable, easy experience. So how do you think about that abstraction piece? How do you think about what should be abstracted and what shouldn't? Because this is this is a, a problem that I've been trying to dig into, but it's often overly technical yet shouldn't be that technical, I don't think, in some ways. But like, uh, you know, um, I was talking with somebody from uh, Amazon the other day and they were talking about, well, in machine learning and, and AI and you know, data science and all that, the, you know, the 19 different phrases that now all mean kind of the same thing, but kind of not. But they, the cleaning methodology ends up really mattering, right? So the data scientists don't necessarily want clean data if it's been cleaned in a way that they don't want. So like, how do you figure out what matters and what doesn't? Because, oh, does it matter if this is processed via Spark or, you know, or Snowflake or DuckDB or whatever? Maybe, maybe not. Does that actually matter? Like, how do you think about providing those abstractions so people can focus on what matters? But are you the one that's choosing what matters or are they having to choose? And then, you know, do you have to up them to a level where they have to understand <laughs> what matters and what doesn't? Like, I just, you know, I mean, very, very complex question, but I'd love to hear kind of how you're thinking about that or if somebody came you and to you and asked like, how do how do i do this <laughs> yeah well the the goal of, of platform engineering is is really to yeah um level up that self-service experience eh, of, of a data product developer um and independently of data mesh uh, platform engineering is a community on itself so and there's a lot of talk about internal developer platforms and having a developer portal and all those things um and it's a bit that and 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 Next to that experience, as you said, uh, hiding complexity that you don't want to be uh, bothered uh, with uh, is important. So automating a lot and lowering that cognitive load is is key. Um, and actually, but a data engineer once told me that we often forget how complex the tools are that we use uh, day by day. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the, the, the thing that I think most want to focus on is on um, transforming the data, getting it ready in a certain structure that gives value to uh, whomever wants to use it. So what do you want to abstract away? Yeah, all the rest. Uh, um, the, the, the provisioning of things, uh, getting the infrastructure ready, configuring your um, data warehouse, um, having to, to uh, manually uh, set up the CI-CD pipelines, all those things. Um, just that you can, yeah, in, in my head, it's like declaratively specifying, this is the data product I want to create, <clears throat> deploy it, and you get your um, your uh, source code repository generated, your um, um, data sets in all your warehouses, uh, metadata is in the catalog, um, everything is taken care of for you, and then you can start um, creating and building um, the data product. And on that point, what does a data a developer wants to uh, uh, use? I think he's, he or she will, will still want to use the, the actual transformation tech that's behind it. So it's not I think that you have to completely abstract away that it's Spark or a Python uh, or um, um, other uh, pipeline tech that you use within your uh, data product. Um, but you want to make sure that the focus can be on that. And that was actually going to be my 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 follow-up question. This is a very, very particular question here. But is do you think that the developer cares about the transformation or the result of the transformation? Do they care about like specifically like what happens underlying with the transformation? Or do they care about what the end result is and that it's transformed in a way that that matches to what they want as the end result, but they just don't care? Because sometimes what I'm finding is people really, really want to dig into exactly how it is transformed that, and that can matter 
it's rare that that matters as much as people think it will. But like, is that something that you found? Because again, this is uh, like, I want us to be able to abstract away the things that, that don't matter, but there are still some of those things where you go, well, does, does this actually matter? I, I don't know. And that, that's where I'm trying to figure it out because it's, it's difficult for me to, to, to be there when I'm not that deep technically. I think it, it, it's both end. And the end result is, of course, the most important uh, thing. And with it, with it, writing a data product, it's yeah, the different output ports and how they are made accessible um, and, and the data sets in those output ports. Um, but of course, to, to make sure that the data is structured in a good way, you have to write some transformation logic for that. Um, so the, the, at least, um, thinking about, um, what the rules will be that you apply to transform the data will be, uh, important. Um, the real nitty gritty details of the tech that you use for it, uh, it should at least be easy enough to do that. Um, and that may, might come also to something that's also touching upon data measure a lot is, and the term democratization of things, um. And in this case of share, being able to share that and use data. Um, and I think that not um, because you, you broaden the audience of data product developers, I, I mean, broader than only, uh, experienced data engineers, um, that you also have to provide an option to create data products that um, gives them a simple and easy solution to do so. Um, if you want to have a generic software developer also uh, create a data product, yeah, then the, the experience that he or she is most likely to be skilled in is writing simple uh, Python code or writing simple Java code or whatever language that he or she is knowing ab about. Um, and that's that's also something we saw in, in a project we did is that um, the um, target audience in the cultural sector in this case um, there are a lot of web developers uh, present there. So what do they know? They know JavaScript, PHP, those kind of things, um, but are not quite so acquainted with Python or let's or or at least not um, co more complex uh, data transformation tech. Um, so what we did is to at least provide an option to write your data product in JavaScript or PHP, which sounds strange from a data processing. <laughs> point of view or, or data engineering point of view, but from, okay, our target audience are mainly web developers. So if we want to make it more accessible to everyone to share data, at least make sure your platform has the tools in, has the tools that the, the target audience is uh, skilled with. Um, and of course, for the more advanced uh, use cases, you can then add uh, more advanced data pipeline tech to your uh, platform. It has to be a choice when you when you if if um, uh, a data product developer is going to create the data product, he or she should be able to uh, choose which option is going to be used, and that the platform then uh, yeah, generates the code base that can be used for that and and all the the other things behind it. Um, but yeah, have a simple uh, option to create a data product and add the more advanced uh, data tech uh, for the use cases that need it. So you mentioned, you know, um, earlier you were talking about declarative, right? When you said the whole thing about uh, JavaScript and PHP, when you said that might sound weird to me, I just started shaking, you know, shaking my head. No, no, that doesn't sound weird at all to me because we're trying to declare what the output should be. That's what we're trying to do because that's the easiest um, concept for most of these people, if, if you're talking about web developers, you're talking about software engineers, like you said, they're used to coding in code. They're not used to, you know, having to learn Spark SQL or, you know, all, all these different things. And so, um, I, I, and, and I think as well, I want to dig a little bit more into when you said ensuring a choice is there kind of an I don't care or I don't know option as to, hey, do you want this to go through Spark or do you want this to go through Snowflake or, you know, DBT or whatever? Um, is there that that bit or is it, again, like, are you asking people to write the transformation logic when they want to and 
abstracting it away when they don't? Or are you saying what way? Like, I, I just want to get a little bit into that specifics of, you know, say I'm a, a Python developer, I'm a backend engineer and I'm a Python developer, maybe even a Java de developer. But like when I go to do the transformation, am I still picking, oh, I want this to go through Spark or am I picking, I want this to get transformed in this way and the 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 platform chooses for me or like, because I guess I'm trying to figure out again, that cognitive load that you mentioned of like, if I don't know, and you're asking me to make a choice, am I going to get into analysis paralysis? Am I going to care? Like, is it, is it a, okay, transform. And then it's like, drop down. Do you care how this happens? And then they do that. Or like, how does that actually kind of work? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, for for um, the choices that you have to make when you uh, register a new data product, um, for one the, uh, type of choices, okay, which which output ports do I want to uh, have in my data product? Um, and um, it's it's a bit like you choose which output ports and which type of output ports you want, but the platform team is choosing which tech is behind each type of output port. Is, is that automated or is that like when you say the platform team is, or is it going to the platform team and the, the platform team makes a decision? Well, the platform team has, has, uh, uh, has decided uh, which type of output ports they will provide. Eh? Uh, of course, that's an interaction also. And, 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 uh, um, um, there will, there will be analysis on which users want to use, which types and need, which use cases need, which types of, of output. Um, but the, the tech and, and providing the, the, the tech is the, the responsibility of the platform team. Um, and then for example, you could have that the platform, um, uh, um, provides an analytical data output port, um, provides an, um, an, uh, graph, uh, data output port, uh, or an, uh, even a, a linked data output port for more API, uh like uh, um, access and then the data product developer only has to choose between those types um, so um, that, that's a bit the, the, the balance also between how much freedom do you get as a data product developer or a domain team versus a, a bit of uniformity and, and uh, control by a platform team and the same for the transformation uh, um, approach you want to use in your data product. Um, if you want to write your uh, transformation code in Python, yeah, then you at least want to choose something that looks okay. I choose Python as my uh, my transformation uh, solution, um, and that you can uh, write it. But where that Python then is executed or it gets its compute from, I don't care really. For as a data product developer. Um, but as a platform team, I do care. Eh? Do I want to use uh, uh, Kubernetes for that? Do I want to use serverless functions for that? Or do I want to use something completely different? Yeah, that that's then abstracted away and, and behind the scenes. And and the question I was specifically trying to poke at, and I think you, you gave an answer, but I want to be specific on it, is I'm a data product developer. I put together, you know, maybe my, my beta version, my alpha version, and does the platform make the choice automatically or does the platform team review the choice or does it make an automatic choice? And then if it's going to be expensive, then it goes for review to the platform team. Like how does that actually flow? Right? Because I, I, I guess a lot of people are expecting so many of these things to be completely and utterly automatic. When a lot of times it's like, no, like it's fine to have somebody review this. It's just that it doesn't go into a six month review cycle. It goes into somebody's workflow and they go, does this make sense? Is this going to be, you know, this person's looking to create this thing. Oh, they're going to process something and it's going to be, you know, a million dollars to process this if they go this way versus, you know, 10,000 if they process it this way, especially back data that uh, you could do it via batches. You can do it very, uh, very cheaply and, and, you know, low throughput and all that stuff because they're just trying to put through all of this backfill data. But like, how does that actually happen? Because so many people, again, are trying to build things 
to make it, you know, it's again, the whole like letting AI make all of the choices when it's like, no, AI is there as a tool to help us make better choices. And so when we don't need to make these specific choices, we leave it up to the system. But when we need to make the specific choices, we leave it to humans. So like, how do you, how do you think about that? You know, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, it's, it felt like you were saying there is platform team review to make sure that these are smart choices versus the platform automatically can make the smart choice every time. Um, how I think about it is not that the, um, it, at least in the, um, the life cycle of the data product, uh, um, registering a new one, creating it, developing it and, and deploying it, there shouldn't be, um, another central team in between because otherwise you, you get that bottleneck issue, uh, again. So that should be as automated as possible or completely automated. Um, when it comes to, um, if you then have the risk that a data product developer is writing transformation code that takes up too much resources and, and, and then ends up in an enormous cloud cost, um, I think it's a matter of, uh, also engineering guardrails into your platform so that it's first not possible to go over certain limits, um, and, uh, also to monitor actively on that. Um, so that you, when you have data products that are using a lot of resources that you at least can go in, into interaction with the data product developer. Okay. It, after the, the facts then, but it's, it's a less intrusive way of interacting. Um, and, and it's not, um, it's, it keeps the autonomy of the data product development life cycle, uh, in place. It's essentially what you're saying is when it matters, then humans get involved. And when it, when it doesn't, then all of a sudden. <laughs> the short answer. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think that's important to give people that, that color because people do want it to be like, oh, I have to have all of my rule sets. I, I, I've used this example before. There's a, a podcast that I like and, um, they have a segment on it about, um, it's just, you know, two, two comedians and they have a segment called crab news. And they they just have randomly things about uh, that crabs have been in the news. Um, and so it's very, very stupid, but I, I enjoy it. But there was one where there was this guy in a hotel and he went down to the beach and he caught some crabs and he cooked them in the um, in the like coffee pot or the, the steamer, you know, for um, creating tea. And he said, well. I should, you know, and they charged him for cleaning costs and for airing out the room, you know, bringing in that like kind of ozone to de-smell de the room because it stank up the room quite bad. He said, well, you know, you didn't have anything in your rules that said, I can't cook a crab in the, in the coffee pot, so I shouldn't be charged. And they were like, well, of course we don't have a rule that specifically says here are the things you can't do, but we have general guidelines as to don't do stupid things. <laughs> and so, yes, of course, you're going to get charged for this because, no, we can't have a rule against you doing every possible thing on the planet. And I think that's the same thing of like the guardrails as to, hey, use general care, but we're not going to write a specific guardrail for every single thing. But here are the ways that you can step out of bounds that you just kind of let people know, like, hey, destruction of the the room, making the room very smelly. Uh, smelling like crafts, it's not the, uh, it is going to result in a charge. And I think that's kind of what you're saying of give people the freedom to do their work. And when somebody needs to talk to them, that happens, but then there's easy communication mechanisms that, and it, it prevents overload and cognitive load of the platform team having to make decisions that they have no idea about constantly. They've set up the rules that make it where it goes, this is when it matters then we have humans interact, but otherwise we're going to give you the trust, you know, and if you have questions, you can come to us, but at the same point, we're going to give you that, that autonomy. Like how did that conversation actually go? Cause we haven't had that with data, you know, uh, when we try to give people the freedom, there's still always that, that kind of person overlooking their shoulder. Were they excited about it? Were they kind of pushing back and going, no, we don't want to own this or like, how did that that happen, and how how did you think about making platform decisions around? Um, well, I, we didn't experience that it it, it was uh, uh, providing tension or something. Um, it was it, it's just an open an open feedback moment where where um, a platform engineer 
um, reaches out and might say, okay, your, your data product is using a lot of memory. Uh, could you have a look at it? Why that's, that's the case? Uh, and, and yeah, mostly there's, there's a specific, uh, cause for that that can be fixed and, and, and taken care of. So that's, that's not really, um, yeah, not really a big problem, I think. Did, in general, did you find that there were buy-in issues to people? taking this over, taking over ownership of their data. This is the thing that people push back on me all the time of there's not proper incentivization of the, the, um, actual, uh, new data owners, you know, that we push this into the domains. I think a lot of that's just because it's always the data team just trying to push this on them instead of it's the organizational strategy aspect change. So like how, how did that impact what you were building and when how did you think about having that to make sure that you were <laughs> keeping them interested keeping them happy instead of you know trying to focus too much in, and potentially other areas yeah and in, in the first place keeping them happy and interested is um <clears throat> making sure that that self-service experience is not uh, providing any hurdles that it's uh, as smooth as possible so that it's, it's at least a platform that they want to use um, and, and not only a platform that they have to use. Um, and the other thing is, uh, I always, oh, I've also seen, um, um, situations where, um, data is, is dumped towards an, a central data team, um, one-on-one. So the, the database schema is extracted and, and, and taken as raw data. But that also puts limitations on, uh, for example, the application development team, because then their internal structure is, it became an API. Eh? Um, <clears throat> so they, they can just change their database schema anymore without breaking something with another team. So now that you have the option to also own the data product that is doing the sharing of that data, you actually introduce some kind of indirection for that application team and they can uh, more easily still change their internal database schema without breaking the output port API of a data product, for example, because they can just own that as a, as a whole, uh, the application and the data product. And that's from a technical point of view, that's also an incentive to be more in control of what is the API towards a data uh, a use case um, and still be able to quickly change your own uh, your own internal schema. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing that, that I'm starting to see crop up more of the ones that are being successful with their mesh implementations. One of the things that they really work with the teams to understand is this gives you an ability to understand how people are using your data but it also gives you the ability to have no more of these emergency everything broke tickets mm -hmm. because you're you're the one that controls if something breaks you're the one that controls if people that are relying on your things like how they could rely on them and you know um we had a, a panel recently about uh data contracts and i really liked what andrew jones said which was um if uh if a consumer isn't paying attention to the contract and the communication mechanism that says this is changing, and then the consumer all of a sudden throws up their hands and said, this changed, this broke for me. Well, it's, it's their own fault, right? Like, but we give people the understanding, uh, you know, I've, I've said this for a while, software engineers can't care about data because we don't give them the capability to care about data. We don't give them the capability to understand what changes actually impact things downstream. And now we're giving them more information flow and like you said, more control. So there's no longer that frustration points. Yes, it might take some extra work up front, but at some point, if you get better with data, it's probably still more work, but it becomes less and less incremental work because you're not having these emergency changes happen because people understand, are, are you also finding that they understand their data better and are able to better leverage it for themselves? That's been another output that that some people have seen where all of a sudden the, the teams actually understand how other people are using their data and it gives them some inspiration for themselves and makes them better 
around their own date. Are you are you seeing that as well happening? Um, yeah, there were some situations where there was feedback from a consumption use case towards the data that's in a data product. Um, <clears throat> and that then provided insights about, okay, mm, there might be in our source system uh, some kind of problem we need to fix. And actually for us, it's also a problem. It's not only for data uh, a problem. Um, so then you see that those feedback cycles uh, starting to pop up and, and uh, yeah, collaboration across, across teams. Um, with that, so I mean, there's a lot of incentivization talk we could get into, but I want to I want let let's get me off of my ADHD kick and back to focusing on the platform stuff. So one thing that we were talking about in in the pre call was thinking about actual trade offs. Like, how do we think through what are the actual trade offs, and what what are you willing to, and what aren't you willing to? Maybe you can give people a little bit of of some of the trade-offs that you thought you'd have to be looking at versus the trade-offs that actually came up or what trade-offs you found were most important versus what are the ones where, because so many people are getting so bogged down, you know, doing a data mesh implementation, there are something like 10,000 micro decisions that you have to make, maybe more. Um, but even as just the central team that's kind of leading the transformation, there's just an insane amount of these. So like what matters, what doesn't, and like, how do you think about a good trade-off, um, kind of approach to doing data mesh? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we talked earlier about, uh, highly complexity and, um, yeah, one, one trade-off is of course, how much complexity do you need to hide and which, um, and it might be that in, the, and, and it will be in the beginning that it's not clear what what exactly uh, needs to be hidden. So it might also be okay to just start with an implementation where not a lot of it of it is hidden. Uh, but then you can get uh, into interaction with the users and get feedback on why do I need to be busy with that part of it. Uh, and then you can, as a platform team, can start uh, um, automating to see if if that can be uh, hidden from from the developer. So that's that. That are one type of of uh, trade offs I think you have to make make when platform engineering uh, a data mesh platform. Um, another trade off that that comes to me a lot is um, what do you make generic and what do you keep specific, and um, from my experience, I think the, the core platform layer that's, that's responsible for the data product abstraction and the orchestration of that, I think that should be as generic as possible. So, and I mean as tool independent as possible. Um, and why is that? Because in my vision, it's, 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 would be, it is great if you can engineer a platform where it's possible to not only use one data solution or one data technology, but that you can plug in multiple uh, alternatives into that. So that you get, and, and, and even in the definition of a data product, that's, that's almost mandatory. And you have not one output port, you have more than one, and they are multimodal. So that inherently implies that there are multiple data technologies behind it. Um, so at least the platform layer that that's core needs to be as flexible as possible to, yeah, to be able to compose all those technologies into into it and uh, create a data product that has one output port in, for example, Snowflake, and another one in, for example, uh, a Kafka topic uh, for stream. Yeah, and and when you think about what are the specific choices that you think matter to the developers versus what actually matters for driving value. Do you think that they understand like, you know, like there people sometimes want to make choices, but the, the choice that they make doesn't really drive value. You know, I think about this a lot with like brands and stuff like that. Um, there are certain things where going generic versus brand is, is bad you know like uh, one of the big ones people use is, is toilet paper you don't want to go generic on that you want to go like nice brand on that but um there's a lot of things like salt for instance right uh in general when you're buying salt does it really matter if you're using a a nice brand of salt or not and 
how do you think about what people really where they want to make the choices versus impact and like you want to keep them happy so that user experience sometimes you're giving them choices that don't matter to make because they're going to be frustrated if they don't get that choice to make did you find that that was a difficult you know what I mean? Like it's it's what's valued is not always valuable or what is valuable is not always valued. And like that that thing of the experience matters as much as the value driven. And so sometimes you have to give people the illusion of choice or you have to give people a choice when it doesn't matter. Like, did you find that that was something that actually came up? That's a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... I, I, I do hear you if you say, okay, uh, sometimes uh, if, if you're using salt, it doesn't matter which brand. Uh, um, it, it all depends on, I think, also the context, the company. And the, again, the uh, we're building a platform for a certain user. And um, so without talking to that user, it's impossible to know what he or she needs. And, and that's... That's also something that, so you can't just, um, it's also something that's important to go, to dive into and to do analysis on. So for, for some, um, data engineers, it's really important to be able to access all the technical details of a certain technology behind it, for example, of Snowflake or, or something else. Um, and for others, a lot of it can be abstracted away if that's, uh, an option. Um, so. Yeah, there's again that trade-off. Engineering a platform for one client is not the same than engineering a platform for another client. That's what what we experience because yeah, the, the the technologies that are present are different, but also the uh, people that are going to build data products in the different teams have different skills and and have different expectations about what an experience an happy experience will be. If that makes sense and answers the question. It did it, it, well. It's a very difficult question to answer because it is super, super dependent. But like, yeah, I, I just I know with data people, at least dealing with data people rather than software people, I found that that there's a um, a whole lot of desire for control, and and I think people expect that around data when it's not as much of a problem of I want to get my work done. Software engineers generally generally are like, just give me the capabilities and the tooling to to make choices when it matters and not when it doesn't. So I, I think it does, but it's also just a an incredibly complex question because it's always, it depends, right? And you haven't even said it depends yet, even though you're with a consulting company. And so like, it's impressive. You haven't said that once, I don't think. Um, so like, I, I think a good place that wraps into a lot of what we've been talking about and and a good way to kind of wrap in um, things as we're heading towards the, the the end of the episode is why can't we just use what we've got right now? Why can't we just iterate from a centralized platform? Why can't we just use the tools that we've got? You talked about it a little bit earlier of why the tools don't really work for what what we're actually trying to do around the they they don't understand the concept of a data product. but why can't we just iterate from a centralized platform versus like taking a bigger shakeup and, and starting something more from scratch? Like what, what are your thoughts there and why, why doesn't it work to try and just slowly change towards something that's, that's more fundamentally, you know, federated and decentralized? Well, maybe the question is also in practice, um, do companies get it done with one centralized platform? even until now, because often there's a, there are multiple solutions and multiple platforms in-house already. And you, you have um, a data warehouse tech or a streaming platform or even uh, multiple of each of them. Um, and the, um, uh, the, the, the one central platform technically then, it's even not there because different use cases need different tech to solve them. Um, so in that sense, um, I think that already illustrates why, why one um, silver bullet platform is, it doesn't exist and uh, uh, doesn't work even without uh, data mesh. 
Um, but if you put data mesh on top of it, yeah, then it's indeed what we said at the beginning of the episode where um, you want to bring that data product alive, um, but no existing central platform has a data product abstraction in it. Um, and and so that that's that's why I think it's essential that that platform engineering layer is on top of it, um, and then you cannot go without it. And and decentralization versus centralization, um, you could go into one extreme uh, and say, okay, we want we have to decentralize everything, so every domain team is uh, setting up its own infrastructure and data platform, so then you don't have a central platform <laughs> anymore, but then the total cost of ownership will skyrocket. Uh, so that's and and there's less uh, options for uh, automated governance uh, on top of it. So I think it's it's really a shared platform. So you you share the tech and have options to choose from as a data product developer. And what you own is the data product and not the platform as a data product development team. And so I've got a, a couple of things there, but like I, I think. Why can't we just iterate from something that has been designed centrally? And then even when we think about this shared platform, to me, platform and data mesh is plural because you're always going to have multiple platforms because that's the whole point of having like things that are loosely coupled so that you can more easily uh, rip and replace or change things out or add new features, new capabilities without locking yourself in. So like, how do you think about when people have had a very centralized approach that they can't just throw something on top of what they've already got and get data mesh, or can they? Depends, of course, of what they already have in place. Um, but in our vision, um, well, it's maybe it's about um, what is then the, the technical um, uh, solution to bring that data product to life. Uh, if you talk about really physically packaging everything in one package, that's the data product, one container or containerization of for the data product is. Um, then compared to um, existing tech and investments in, in data tech that the companies already have done, it might be too intrusive because it, it will not be that complementary or uh, to each other. Our platform engineering approach and the ones we're, we're applying is more a holistic view on a data product so that data product is still alive but it's it's it lives in a in a in more an, a platform layer that's orchestrating everything um and it still taps into the different data platforms or data technologies that you want to leverage for that yeah well i think again you you've circled back on this multiple times of the tools are unaware of a data product and your platform was built in such a way that it was unaware of the concept of a data product unless, you know, pre-data mesh, right? Like, and I'm not saying the one that you specifically built, I'm saying you, the royal you of everybody out there, your platforms were not focused on this, this, you know, data product concept. And, you know, I, I think, again, this is where I, when I talked to Jamak of, we think about like what containerization brought to software, it's, not having to manage the crap that doesn't matter instead of being like, I have to manage this, this version in this tool and then jump into this tool and this version. And they all have all these different life cycles. They have these different things from a, you know, a deployment cycle of, of, okay, you know, new set of, of data that flow flew into it or that, um, the, uh, we've, we've made some updates and some changes and things like that. And, you know, changes in data people get worried about, but a lot of times it's just adding new features or adding new, you know, a new column or, or, you know, doing something like that or making the, the output form more performant or something like that. But that it's so much about our fundamental approach to the way we did anything must change, which is the whole concept of data mesh of why aren't we taking what actually works elsewhere and bringing it to data? Why haven't we done that? And the the way that we've built our our platforms historically in data just haven't understood these complex challenges because they've been designed to be leveraged by data people that are deep enough that they can manage these. But if we're handing this over to somebody else, we have to, again, abstract away what they're doing. 
I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that sounds like kind of the way you've been circling around all of these things. Is that yeah, it, good? Doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that um, when you have an existing data warehouse that you cannot start from there and um, start building a platform layer on top that that talks about data products. Um, but you still need to have that one to be able to have an abstraction layer and take things away. Um, and and But still keep, of course, the power of that underlying tag because exi the existing data tools have a lot of uh, power to, to what their, their core feature is and uh, to, to be able to do uh, big data processing or, or uh, efficient data storage or querying or all those things. Um, but when it comes to a life cycle of an abstraction that wasn't there, a data product with multiple data sets, um, with metadata in it and, 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 and those things, then, then you need to have that platform engineering layer on top. So you can start from what's already in place, but you have to have the investment of building a platform layer that builds an abstraction of a data product on top of everything you have then. Yeah. So, I mean, fully agree with, with all of that. I think it just, it's difficult to put it into exact, like, it's difficult to abstract enough of what we're talking about so that someone can then take it and go, how do I dig directly down into my own problem set? Because so much of this is even like, hey, how do we abstract the concept of abstraction? <laughs> like it's... Yeah, there's also so much you can do in a, in a, in a podcast that's not Taking visuals on screen. <laughs> this this is when yeah, um, uh, I had asked some people for some ideas around panel ideas, and and many of them were like, you know, get very specific on X, and it's like, that's a visual thing, and it's very specific to the company. Of this was the the problem that we had, and this is the decision that we made. Versus, this is you know, because otherwise we're getting into copy and paste data mesh, which just doesn't work. So, well. Um, Tom, this is this has been uh, super great. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you would like to, or any way you want to wrap up kind of the content side of the episode? Well, maybe um, circling back to what we said in the beginning, that um, postponing the technical challenges of data mesh is something we learned that that should shouldn't be done. We should, should do it as early as possible to at least come to a point where you can demo something, show something, so that. Um, a concept like data products and data mesh that is quite theoretical for a lot of people um, becomes concrete and that they are starting to see, okay, this is what it means for what I'm doing daily or um, what's, what it means to share data. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that would like to follow up with you. I, you know, like I said, I, I, I'll drop a link to Data Mesh Belgium as well as your presentation um, that you did on on. Um, kind of your your platform build out but where where's the best place for people to follow up uh anything specific that you'd like people kind of following up about um well we have uh our, our uh, landing page on data measure on our company website but mostly for me uh linkedin uh will be the nicest okay and i'll drop a link to that in the show notes as per usual to make it, it easy for folks and you've uh written some good um content some good uh, posts about this and and kind of your thoughts and and have been engaging a lot of folks on that so i i appreciate that as well as the community does so again but uh tom thank you so much for spending time here with us today and as well thank you everyone out there for listening yeah thanks god i'd again like to thank my guest today tom dewolf senior architect and innovation lead at aca group and host of data mesh belgium meetup you can find a link to his linkedin in the show notes as per usual thank you Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Datastax, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started, so give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information-as-a-service firm. Our offerings are affordable, and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month -month basis. You know, read kind of 
throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well and have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.